Rivera was known as a kind-hearted, well-respected, and thoughtful man. Rivera's friends and family claimed that Ray was an extremely likable person, that he had no enemies whatsoever. They also said that he was a prolific athlete and extremely passionate about writing, and that he was always drafting screenplays and scripts when he wasn't focused on his career as a journalist. So in December 2004, Ray and his wife Allison moved from California to Baltimore so Ray could actually begin working with one of his closest friends, Porter Stansbury. Allison Rivera, his wife, mentions that Ray and Porter met in high school just as water polo buddies, but after they graduated, they went their separate ways, even though they did stay extremely close after. So Baltimore had potentially, or just initially been a temporary plan so Ray could make some money while he was working with his best friend. But then him and Allison eventually realized that he wasn't financially stable, stable enough to even be living there in the first place, let alone live there and then two months later fly back to California so he could go live with Allison again. So what they did is Allison came to live with Ray in Baltimore and they bought a house. And what turned what was initially a two-month plan for Ray staying in Baltimore to work turned into a two-year plan for them to live there long-term. So during Ray's employment under Porter, he wrote a plethora of articles that he named the Rebound Report, which is a pretty, pretty fitting name because these articles were all about these stocks that had recently dropped in value, but they were actually going to skyrocket back up. But the thing is, Ray wasn't actually very knowledgeable about what he was writing about, so that ended up in him actually unknowingly giving a lot of fraudulent advice to his article subscribers, which led to millions of dollars in losses to them and a lawsuit against Porter's company. So later on, about a year later, Ray, in November 2005, Ray stops writing for Porter Stansbury and his company, and he actually becomes a freelance journalist. So six months later, or seven months later, sorry, Ray goes missing. So this is May 16, 2006. So his neighbor reports that he bolted out of his residence after receiving a random call, but this call is actually traced back to back as an extension from Porter Stansbury's company, but that extension is actually unidentifiable by the police. Two days later, Ray's friends and family arrive in Baltimore to all help search for him. Porter Stansbury reportedly posts a $500 reward for information that leads to Ray's uh, discovery, and they all search for days and days, and they struggle to find any trace of Ray's disappearance. In the 2020 Netflix series, Unsolved Mysteries, Episode 1, Mystery on the Rooftop, states that, May 22, 2006, it's been six days since Ray has been missing and the search for him continues. Allison and Ray's parents go looking for Ray's car in different parking lots and got lucky when his car was found behind a building on St. Paul Street. When investigators searched the car, they found nothing of evidentiary value and nothing that indicated theft. A few days later, on May 24th, Three men discover a hole in the roof of the Belvedere Hotel. Gary Shivers, a former Belvedere concierge, finds Ray Rivera's body in an old racquetball club room. The results of Ray's autopsy was brutal. There were multiple fractured ribs, punctured legs, lacerations that were 7 to 9 inches, damage to the skull, two different breaks in the right leg, and even protrusion of bone. As Ray Rivera's body had been in that old club room for a little over a week, the decomposition destroyed most of the evidence, which led to investigators wondering, where did he come from, and how did he get through that hole in the ceiling? Further investigation led to the conclusion of three potential jumping and or falling points. The top of the Belvedere, 
the parking garage, and the 11-floor ledge on the Belvedere. Ray's unscathed belongings were found near the hole in the roof. However, the cherished money clip that was gifted to him by his wife Allison as a wedding gift was missing and not with his other belongings. Further into the investigation, a strange and unusual note was found taped to the back of the computer in their Baltimore home. The note highlighted secret societies, movies, and even included a long list of names. Ultimately, Ray Revere's death wasn't ruled as a suicide, but the medical examiner did declare it undetermined. When looking further into the case of Ray Rivera, Alice and his wife does mention some strange occurrences that happened prior to Ray's disappearance and ultimately death. About two weeks before he died, there was something that was worrying him. At that time, I didn't really think much of it. But then that Monday before he went missing, the alarm went off. It was like 1 a.m. and that thing had never gone off. Down, um, I went down the stairs and around the corner and Ray came flying out with this big bat. And the fear in this man's eyes scared me to death. That guy was never afraid of anything. Then again, the following Tuesday at 1 a.m., it went off. So, for this next portion, we will dig a little deeper into the life of Porter and how Ray was involved job-wise. For some background, Frank Porter Stansbury was a likable guy, but he didn't really excel at one singular thing. Instead, he was just average at everything he tried. He went to the same high school as Ray and played as a goalie on the water polo team. After high school, Ray and Porter went their separate ways. Porter got a political science degree from the University of Florida and then ended up getting a job working for a company called Agora. Something you should know about Agora is it has multiple sister companies. Eventually, Porter was given the opportunity to create one of those sister companies. He named it Stansbury Research. After a few years, Porter got into some legal trouble after the SEC found out that Stansbury Research clients were falsely informed of an upcoming spike in a company's stock. This led to hundreds of clients losing a collective $50 million. This information about Porter's legal trouble is important because it is partly why Porter offered Ray a job at Stansbury Research. Ray was hired to take some of the heat off of the company and add a fresh new take on financial letters. This new job allowed Ray to pay for a dream wedding with Allison and prepare for a future family. All of this information about Porter and his company comes in handy just hours after Ray's body was discovered. Michael Bayer, a detective on the case, and Ray's brother, Angel, exclaimed that. Unfortunately, the company he worked for, Stansberry, the minute the body was located and I started inquiring about it, put a gag order on all their employees. Now, every possible person that knew Ray, worked with Ray, or had any answers for me, weren't allowed to legally talk to me according to their company lawyers. That's within hours of his body being discovered. His friend, Porter Stansbury, and Porter's offices at Stansbury and Associates have lawyered up. I would recommend keeping this chilling information in the back of your head until we come back to it at the end of this podcast.
So this is probably the most obscure out of all of our theories, but this is the one that interests me the most, and it is that it's possible that Ray Rivera's death was linked to the Freemasons, which is a private religious organization that he was really intrigued about. So soon after his body was discovered, there was actually a note found behind his, uh, his computer in his office. So in this note, Rivera writes about his favorite movies, his favorite actors, and the thing is, these movies, they're speculated to have some, all have some sort of connection to how he dies. And his actors, the actors that he wrote about, they all have, not all of them, but there are a few of them that are actually pretty prominent members of the Freemasons. And the biggest, the most um, prominent thing about this note, linking it to the Freemasons, is that at its beginning, Rivera refers to a common saying amongst the Freemasons, which is, whom virtue unites, death will not separate. And um, the entire note is kind of just rambling on at, at face value, but if you kind of take a look, you can... It's, it's kind of weird how it's put together. And it is totally possible that this is just a mentally ill man raving about random things, or it's maybe for one of his screenplays or something like that. But Alison Rivera denies that she ever noticed any symptoms of ment mental illness within Ray, and she claims that Ray wanted to start a family with her and that they actually had a vacation planned in a few weeks. And he was excited for that as well. So she said that he was not the type of person that would want to kill himself. One plausible theory and explanation to Ray's death was that it was staged. There were no damage whatsoever to his glasses and phone that were found near the hole in the roof. However, according to Ray's autopsy, he was in brutal and severe condition. But it was odd for his phone to be found in working condition and his glasses with not a single scratch on them. It led to people asking, did they fall with him or did someone place them there after? Grace Henry, the author of the article, What Happened to Ray Rivera? Theories around the Netflix Unsolved Mysteries case. People speculate that it was staged and his body could have been positioned beneath the hole. The medical examiner also mentioned to Allison that the way his shins were broken weren't consistent with a fall. This last conspiracy that we're going to go over is probably one of the more likely possibilities. Suicide. Now, Allison and the rest of Ray's family would throw this idea right out the window, even though it could have been the case. On the other hand, the police and news thought of Ray's death as a suicide. According to a former detective on the case, Michael Bayer, his bosses really thought that finding evidence of a homicide was a waste of their time, resulting in his resignation from the case. They thought Ray may have been suffering from some kind of mental disorder that went unnoticed by his family, such as schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, or delusions that Ray somehow got onto one of the Belvedere roofs and in a breaking point in his life decided to take it. Some signs that could attribute to this were his personality and mood changes when living alone in Baltimore, how paranoid he was acting months before his death, and his unusual note. Now there are some holes in this theory such as the house alarms going off twice recently before he died, the master bedroom window tampered with, and the glasses and phone found without a scratch at the crime scene. To go along with these holes, there's some questions that should be asked on this conspiracy about suicide. Could Ray have actually been in danger? 
If Ray were afraid of heights, why would he choose to jump off a roof? Why would Ray decide to kill himself when he put their house up for sale? He had a script ready to promote Bag of California, so why did he take his own life? All of these questions should be considered when thinking about whether this conspiracy, suicide, actually happened, or if there were other possibilities. So at this part, we're going to be talking about the most likely outcome of the murder. And what we think happened is it had something to do with Porter Stansbury and his company. So we've got a few pieces of evidence here. And the biggest one is that Porter Stansbury and his employees, the second that the investigation started, immediately lawyered up. Um, Porter's, Porter's also been known for his sketchy business tactics and his background. And on top of that, Porter's name is also mentioned three times throughout Ray's cryptic note behind his computer in his office. In addition, the analysis of the crime scene suggests that it'd be difficult for Ray to kill himself, as well as the autopsy suggests that not all of Ray's injuries were consistent with the fall. Another piece of evidence that doesn't really make sense is that the cameras outside on the roof on the Belvedere weren't working, and inside the building, they didn't catch his presence there. Lastly, we believe that the attempted break-ins prior to the time of Ray's disappearance and death are connected to Porter Stansbury and his company. So although we have all of these unrelated kind of wacky theories, um, what we ultimately agree on is that this was staged and Porter Stansbury had something to do with it.